Hello, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, the lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. And I just wanted to say thank you for joining us here online. It is our prayer that today's message would be helpful and meaningful to your life. If you're in the South Atlanta area, I would personally like to invite you to come to one of our services at 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m., or 12 p.m. We are located at 4401 Highway 155 North in Stockbridge, Georgia. You may visit our website for more information about our church at www.sccview.net. Again, that website is www.sccview.net. I want to say it again. Thank you again for listening, and I hope you have a wonderful day. Well, hey, church, how y'all doing this morning? It's good energy, good energy. It's so good to see everybody. We're glad to have you. Uh, I want to welcome anybody watching at home as well. We're, we're really glad to have you being a part of the family today. Uh, today we are continuing, we're actually closing out our soul-keeping series. Everybody say, oh, y'all are working with me. I like this today. This is good. Oh, way better than the last service. So, um, we're, we're kind of closing out and putting a bow on our Soul Keeping series, which is a bummer because, like, I've been learning a lot from it. And I think that, that Pastor Jeff and Pastor Chesney so far, they, they did a great job of kind of setting it up. And, and I really, really loved uh, when Pastor Chesney had the, uh, the circle diagram that kind of showed us the way that the soul works, with the soul being at the core uh, of everything that we are and how that if the soul was right and God was dwelling in there uh, where he wants to be, by the way, if, if the soul was right, everything else kind of worked. And, and I think that made a lot of sense, and it helped us understand it. Now, uh, I was with my uh, Connect group uh, last week or the week before. We were talking about, like, what is a soul? And some of you guys may have talked about the same thing. What is the soul? And, like, what does, uh, what, what has, like, pop culture uh, and Hollywood showed us that the soul is? And some of you guys may, may know some of these examples. And uh, so oftentimes the soul is something that, you could sell, right? You could sell to Satan for, for like a better, uh, and listen, I'm just going to go ahead and stop anybody that's ever thought about this. I don't think it's possible to sell your soul. So there goes that small business you were thinking about, right? No, um, but serious. But serious, you know, you see this like in vampire culture on TV and like that's this big thing, which I don't understand, maybe the whole living forever concept, but if you're a believer, then you get to do that anyway. So we're kind of covered there. But, you know, so you see all these things, that, and the one thing that, that bugs me the most about the whole, about the soul and, and what people think it is, I want to go ahead and apologize. Well, no, I'm not going to apologize, but especially if you were one of the people that shared this photo on Facebook about a year or so ago, drove me nuts, okay? So, this is one of the many things that drive me nuts, but anyway, this is, a, it was a photo, and it was like, so it was, it, it was kind of directing the soul, talking about the soul, so it was like Jesus was like this. And he had like arms in places that I don't, or he had muscles in places that I don't have places. And, you know, he had, he was like ripped, like just jacked to the gills. And he was arm wrestling the devil, who was even bigger, by the way, which I, whatever. But so the devil was even bigger. And it was like, he's this huge opposition for Jesus, which if, if you know Jesus, like I know Jesus, they ain't even in the same sport, let alone the same playing field. But so what they were arm wrestling over was a soul. And people believe that. And, and here's the thing. Uh, it said, share or like if you want Jesus to win. Keep scrolling if you want the devil to win. I kept scrolling because I didn't care. And here's why. Because that's not 
that our soul is not in an arm wrestling match. Nobody's fighting over our soul. Because the fact is, God created the devil so the devil can never be more powerful, right? So that nobody's arm wrestling over your soul. And it just, it just drove me so nuts. And so please, if you shared that, email me about it this week if you want to. I'll delete it. But um, it just drove me nuts. And here's the thing. So when, when we're thinking about what is the soul, uh, there's a philosopher, uh, psychologist. There's not many things that Dallas Willard was not. Um, and so you may be familiar with some of his work, but this is something he says about the soul that I think directly relates to where we are today. And he said this, our soul is like a stream of water that gives strength, direction, and harmony to every other area of our life. Would you agree with that? So it was like that circle where the soul bleeds out into everything else. And if your soul is right, and I would even say, you know, to go with the stream comparison, if that stream is flowing healthily, and we're not putting roadblocks or we're not putting obstacles in that stream or beaver dams or whatever else. If we're not damming up that stream, every other area of our life will be constantly refreshed. So what that means is if, if your soul is where it needs to be, which is the title today, where my soul belongs, if your soul is where it needs to be, which is with God, by the way, uh, if it's where it, ne it needs to be and your soul is right, that stream, your work life is going to be constantly refreshed. Your home life is going to be constantly refreshed. Your school life, your social life, your love life, your faith life, every aspect of your life will be constantly refreshed. If your soul, if the stream of your soul is flowing the way that it should be. Don't we all want that today? Yeah. I know I do. Glad three of you guys do, but that's cool. Uh, here's the point for today. My soul needs to be with God. If you'll write that down, that'll start us off. My soul needs to be with God. Every culture in all of history, every culture in all of history and all of creation has expressed a genuine desire to be close to God. You look at the pyramids of Egypt. You know, you look at uh, uh, Rome, you know, the whole expression, Rome wasn't built in a day, the aqueducts out there. You look at, uh, even in South America, uh, the, the giant pyramids down there. You look at the Sphinx. You look at even in our Bible, the Tower of Babel that was built where people could get close to God. And I would say, in all of those cultures, they were trying to reach the same God. They just maybe didn't know it yet. Because there, there, there's this something inside our soul that just desires to be close and to be with God. Every culture has wanted that. And that leads us to our memory verse this morning. Psalm 42 verse 1 says this, As a deer longs for flowing streams, so my soul longs for you, O God. We can, all, we can go all the way back into Genesis and we can begin to see God interact or interacting with, with us, with humans. And, and, and what we'll see there is we'll see that he does enjoy communication with us. He, it's not, a, it's not a, a one-way street. It's like when we pray to God or when we read his word, it, it, there's knowledge coming in and, and, and blessing going out or vice versa. Genesis 3 verses 8, verse 8, we'll see right after the fall of uh, the, the inner of sin, the entry of sin into our world, right after that, we'll see God come down as a loving father. And this is where our story picks up. When the, cool evening breeze, when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Now, there's something in there that you may not have picked up on. They heard the Lord God. 
It doesn't say they saw him, does it? They heard him, and they knew what he sounded like. Imagine having a relationship that close with God, that if he was walking on the other side of a forest, you would know that it was him. It wasn't an animal. You would know exactly what he sounded like. Would you say that that is a pretty close relationship? They would know what God sounded like when he walked. I mean, maybe he, he stomped. I don't know, but whatever it was, they, they knew the sound of God. And here's the thing. Have you ever been a child lost in a department store? Because you went the direction your parents didn't go. And you know that 30-second that meltdown that you have when you just panic and you, you don't think anybody can help you? You know what I'm talking about? Some of y'all might have just had this happen, you know, with the whole holiday shopping and all the crazy people and stuff. Um, but, but what I've learned is if you ask for help, somebody will, you know, and I got to tell you, there, I cannot tell you how many times uh, paging Mr. and Mrs. Woodson to the front desk, paging Mr. Because I would freak out when I would go somewhere that my parents weren't, and I would go straight to the front desk. It's crazy. I could find the front desk, but I could never find my parents, right? Didn't matter what store either. I could find that front desk, even if it was a back desk. I could locate it, and I could have them paged and embarrassed in front of the entire shopping populace. And that was cool. But so, so they, would, they would find me, and here's the thing that you're going to see is they were looking the whole time. A good parent always pursues their children. When God came down into the garden, they weren't coming to him. He was pursuing them, and they knew it. And they knew they had done something wrong, so they hid. Parents, you know what this looks like, too. So uh, he knew him. God always pursues him. And you know what? You may not really get this uh, until the end of it, so just bear with me. But my, my dad had this thing that he would do when I was a kid. And uh, he got it from, from uh, uh, my mom's dad. But, so if I fell down in the middle of the floor, or on the other side of the room even, he would go, he would stay exactly where he was. Like He wouldn't rush to help me or anything, so he'd be sitting there. Come here, I'll help you up. <laughs> By the time I would travel from where I had fallen to him, I was standing up and I was fine. That probably doesn't belong in chapter one of a good parenting book. But it does make a funny preaching illustration, doesn't it? Because most of us, we, we know what it looks like when our kid falls. And, and when we see that, if we just sit back and we go... Come here, I'll help you out. Now, look, I'm not dogging them out or anything. Don't think that, okay? But, but, but it, it, that's funny. But let's look at this in terms of, in like eternity terms. Aren't you glad this morning? Aren't you glad believer in Christ, somebody who is saved? Aren't you glad that God didn't say before you were saved, come here and I'll help you out? He came exactly to, your, to where you were. You didn't have to do anything. For him to save he came to you our father pursues us he created our soul he knows where it needs to be and on his part of the on his end of the deal he pursues us that's something to be excited about amen, amen. god pursues us he doesn't say come here he doesn't say fix yourself and then come to me he comes to you exactly where you are. He comes to people uh, outside of dumpsters, outside of bars at 3 o'clock in the morning. He comes to people at football games. He comes to people in Stockbridge Community Church in the 1030 service this morning. He comes wherever you are. At your moment of need, that's where he'll meet you and save you, right there.
Thought that would get an amen, but that's cool. We're going to move on to Genesis chapter 5. Today we're going to be talking about Enoch. Now, if you don't know much about Enoch, that's cool. Most people don't. The Bible doesn't talk a lot about Enoch. People don't preach a lot about Enoch. Enoch doesn't have much to, to say. As a matter of fact, I don't think he says anything. But I believe that there, if we'll study this, I believe that there are some lessons that we can learn from the life of Enoch, despite the fact that he's not one of the most famous people in Scripture. In Genesis 5, 21, it starts out telling us about Enoch. It says, when Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. After he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked faithfully with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived a total of 365 years. Say, wow. Say, wow again. 365 years. Enoch walked faithfully with God. Then he was no more because God took him away. That's basically the story of Enoch. And just at a glance, we may gloss over some things, and, and we may miss some things. So that's kind of why we're going to dissect it today, and we're going to look at some lessons from the life of Enoch. But first I, want, first, I want to give you a big truth, and that's this. God enjoys spending time with me. That's personal. It's personalized. God enjoys spending time with me. It makes me think back to Matthew 26. This isn't on your outline, but you can make a note if you'd like. makes me think back to Matthew chapter 26. Uh, it's what we call the Lord's Supper. Uh, we now celebrate it as the sacrament of communion. Um, Jesus was sitting at a table, and the verse says this. Jesus reclined. Get that word, reclined. Jesus reclined at table with the twelve, and as they were eating, he said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. Every time I hear the word reclined, I think of the first recliner that I ever saw. It was a, uh, an electric-controlled lazy boy. It was my granddad's. And basically the only functions, you know, it didn't have a warmer or a massager. The only things this thing did was go up and down. That was it. But when he sat in that at the end of his day, he didn't have a care in the world. He was comfortable. Didn't matter who was over for dinner. Didn't matter what was on TV. When he sat in that recliner and he was reclined, he was comfortable. This verse says that Jesus reclined at table. So while you're taking that in, you're thinking about, well, Jesus, sure he reclined at table. He was, he was Jesus. He could chill out. But here's, here's something that, that we do overlook. And that's that Judas was at that table. And Jesus called him out there. Didn't say his name, but he called him out there. So Judas, somebody that would betray him, was at the table, yet Jesus reclined and was relaxed. Peter was also at the table. Peter, arguably one of Jesus' top two you know, he, he was one of his best buddies. Peter would go on to found the church and, and do all these other things along with the rest of the disciples. But Peter would also deny Christ three times and continually display a lack of faith. But Jesus reclined at table. You think about James and John. Both of them had issues with pride, even asking, God, why, can I sit, Jesus, can I sit beside you one day? Having their, even getting mama involved, getting their mama to ask Jesus, hey, can my boys have a place at your table? And he said, it's not my place, but he was, he was calling them out on pride. And finally, Thomas, somebody who, would, despite the fact that he had walked with Jesus and seen him perform miracle after miracle after miracle, he had to see the holes in Jesus' hands and feet before he would believe that Jesus had really risen from the dead. That's where we get the, the expression doubting Thomas. Despite all of that, and believe me, the rest of the disciples, they weren't perfect either. Despite all of that, Jesus reclined at table. He 
be relaxed. You know what that tells me? Even at our absolute worst. Even for those of us today who may be on the, the, the precipice of taking a step down the wrong road and denying Christ, or, or taking a step in betraying our belief in Christ, or doubting our faith, doubting what the Bible says, despite all of that, God enjoys spending time with us. Even at our worst, God wants to be with us. Isn't that incredible? That's a lot more incredible when you take in the fact that I don't want to be with you all the time at your worst, right? <laughs> I can be honest this morning and say that. I, I much prefer everybody at their best. But God, as, as a loving father, pursues us exactly where we are in the midst of that bad situation, in the midst of that bad relationship struggle, in the midst of that divorce, in the midst of that addiction, whatever it is, he will come to you. That's room service. And that's awesome. We're going to get into three lessons and barriers of walking with God. The first of which is this. Walking with God means being right with God. Walking with God means being right with God. I have a huge passage of scripture. You may have already seen that. Um, it's in your program. So I had, I had really thought about, like, what should I cut out of this? What should I cut out of this to, to make it nice and neat and not have to read a whole bunch of stuff and not make you have to listen to a whole bunch of stuff? But after I get done reading it, I think that everyone in here and everyone watching at home will agree that there's nothing in here that can be taken out. Everything in here is so powerful that it could be a message in and of itself. I could come out here, read this to you, pray, say amen, and go home, and we will have all been able to say, we got a powerful message this morning. So I'm going to read this. Romans 3 starts in verse 22. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes. Who? Everyone. everyone who believes. It doesn't say the perfect Christian. This doesn't say the perfect person, the good person. It says everyone who believes. No matter who we are, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard, yet God freely and graciously declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People, and get this, people are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. He was looking ahead thousands of years into this room and every other church in the world, he was looking ahead and including them, including us. Say that with me. Including us. Including me. I like that. Say including me. Very good. And what he would do in this present time, God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just, and he declares sinners to be right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Nothing about that says when they are perfect all by themselves. Nothing about this says when they come to me and ask for my help first. It says when they believe in Jesus, they are made right. Amen? Amen. Here's the barrier to that this morning. It's one word. Pride. This is the barrier to that. It's pride. Pride that I can do it all by myself. Pride that I don't need to be a part of a church family. Pride that I don't have to read my Bible. Pride that I don't have to pray. Pride that I don't sin the way that you sin. Y'all heard that one before? Y'all hear what she did the other day? I ain't perfect, but I don't do that. 
That's pride. Did y'all hear what he did? Got caught doing on his taxes? Somebody got convicted. I got stopped. Okay. <laughs> the barrier is pride. The barrier is pride. But here's the thing about that. Once again, aren't you glad that we serve a God that no matter who you are, where you're from, what you've done, God comes to meet you right where you are. And if you are here this morning or you're watching online this morning or listening, you can be saved right now. And I want to open that up. As a matter of fact, inside your outline, inside your program, if you turn over to the second page, we've put a prayer in there. Now listen, I'm going to pray this. And, and, and if this is your first time praying this, I want to invite you now to pray this prayer and you know what? On the back, and this is all I ask, on the back, if you pray that prayer for the first time, just check that box on the back as the next step that says, I've prayed the prayer to become a Christ follower today. I'm going to pray this for you this morning. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I am a sinner, and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Guide my life and help me to do your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we say amen really loud one time? Amen. I want to welcome anybody who just prayed that. I do. I want to welcome you to the family. I want to welcome you to the family that's going to live forever in eternity in heaven where everything is perfect. That's something to be excited about, church. So whoever you are, wherever you are, if you just prayed that, just welcome to the family. We love you and we are glad to have you here. We love you. And we're glad to have you here. The second lesson, the second lesson that we learn about this is walking with God means going the same direction as God. Walking with God means going the same direction as God. You ever tried to go for a walk with somebody, but you two were using a different route? I mean, just imagine if, if one of you guys was up here with me and we decided to walk from here to the drums, but you go that way you got to go the same direction as somebody to get to the same destination. Would you agree with that? Here's the barrier to that. And while this might seem like common sense, it's really not. The barrier to that is me. It's not the devil on the other side of the table that, I'm arm, that Jesus is arm wrestling. If you really put that into perspective and you really think about it, the biggest obstacle in your life is you. I've heard it said that if you preach from your weaknesses, you never run out of material. I could be up here for a while. But I know all about this. I've been my own worst enemy. Most of us have. Most of us have. But the fact of the matter is, there's ways around that. There's ways to get involved. There's ways to become a part of a community that is bigger than we are. There's ways to, to claim the promises of God in a family of significance and purpose. And we do that every week here. Aren't you thankful for all of the volunteers here at our church? My experience every week is, is amazing because of the people of this church. And I want to challenge you. I don't care if you've been here for 50 years or 50 days. If you're not serving somewhere, and that's the next step. As a matter of fact, there's, I'm not going to spend a ton of time on it, but there's a half sheet in your program. If you've been here, especially if you've gone through our 101 class, if you've come to Discover an SEC and you're not serving anywhere, I want to challenge you. Be a part of the family because it's intentional. You have to make a choice to serve. And I think we all just agreed that we're thankful that people do, right? So if you've been here for a little while, and you know, if, if this is your first day, I'm not talking to you right now. But those of us who have been a part of this family for a long time, I want to challenge you to, to start serving in a ministry here.
Because after all, Matthew 20, verse 28 says this, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Go, if going the same direction as God, if, if walking with God means going the same direction as God, and we're following the example of Jesus, we have to be serving. Because Jesus was a servant. Jesus blessed the meal. Jesus blessed the meal despite who he was at the table with. Did, did you catch that earlier? Despite who he was at the table with, Jesus blessed the meal. Jesus was still there to serve, and he would still go on to give his life for people, whether they would ever believe in him or not. If he can serve that way, I can serve by handing out a program and saying, good morning, welcome to SCC, right? Amen? Amen. Thank you. Lesson number three, walking with God. And this one's going to be tough. Walking with God means enjoying God's presence. I often hear, uh, I've, I've had the absolute blessing and privilege to work in student ministry now for a few years. I'm so thankful for every chance I get to work with those guys. Um, but here's something that I have learned from talking to some of the parents. Um, oftentimes we'll say things like, uh, I just want to give my kids a better life than I had. And more often than not, that translates into, I want to work 60 to 80 hours a week, leave before they get up, get home after they go to bed, where I can give them things with money that my parents didn't have. But what that, what that thing rarely, and listen, I'm not knocking a good work ethic, okay? But what that rarely means when people say, I want to give them a better life, is I want to give them more quality time. I want to give them more of my one-on-one -on -one attention. I want to be more cognizant of their presence when I'm around them. I want to pay attention to my kids and give them love. Would you agree this morning that love equals time? Because here's the thing, you will give your time to what is actually important to you. I'm just going to let that sink in for a minute. You will prioritize and make time for the things that are important to you. And listen, I'm talking to myself too. I'm not perfect. Not at all. But we will make time for what's important to us. Maybe that means one less episode on Netflix. Maybe that means one less hunting or fishing trip. And this is Georgia, so you know, don't, don't try to pick a fight after service. But maybe this means one, more, one less hunting or fishing trip without taking my kids along. One less late night at the office. Once a week, try that. Start somewhere. But time equals love. And if we are to emulate our loving Father who meets us, we have to intentionally invest in, our, in the next generation. Somebody right now is thinking, well, Chris, you only have a five-year-old. You only got five years experience. You don't know what you're talking about. I don't, but I know what the Bible says. I know what God's word says, and he's right even when I think I am, which is rare. So just think about that for a minute. Your level of enjoyment can be measured in minutes. How many minutes a day do you invest doing this? How many minutes a day do you invest doing that? If you, don't get, if you really don't get anything else that I say today, get that. We make time for what's important. Here's three ways that, that we can uh, apply this lesson. The first way is prayer time. Our soul needs to be with God. It makes sense to talk to him. The second one, and, and if it seems like I'm going fast, it's because I am. The second one is study time. We have to read God's word. We have to know what he's saying to us. And the third is kind of what we were already talking about, and that's quality time. 
maybe you're, maybe you're thinking, you know, well, Chris, it's just really hard for me to read the Bible. Hey, I get that. I get that. And maybe somebody told you, uh, and this is, this is a funny thing, this is what we do a lot of times in, in the, the worldwide churches, we'll say, well, you got to start with Genesis. And what I find is Genesis is awesome. I mean, it's like a, like a Pirates of the Caribbean Disney-style adventure movie. Okay, Genesis is awesome. Exodus, even better. You know, this huge thing, God sending plagues. But by the time people get to Leviticus and they start sacrificing goats, maybe we should start telling people to start with Matthew. Right? It's okay to start with the New Testament, okay? Because after you read all about Jesus, then it's, good, it's a good idea to know why he came to begin with. So start with Matthew. Read there. That's why we encourage people to read the New Testament every year. Here's the barrier to that. Busyness. Barrier to that is busyness. That does not say business. Although your business could be your busyness. Busyness. I find that busyness is often the beaver dam that we make in the stream of our soul. And here's the thing about time and schedule. If you don't manage your time, somebody or something else will. Everybody that's ever had a 9 to 5 knows what I'm talking about. If you don't manage your time, somebody will. Could be your kids, could be your boss, could be Facebook, could be Twitter, Instagram, whatever. If you don't manage your time, somebody will. Psalm 46.10 says this, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted among the earth. We have a next step today, a, a last next step. And I have this one, and I hope that every single one of us, including me, can take this one. This that I'm going to make being still a daily priority no matter what. If that means I miss half an hour sleep because I've got to read my Bible, then I miss half an hour sleep and I'm just cranky for a little while. Hopefully my soul will be refreshed during that, uh, that time where I'm allowing that stream to come in. That means if I don't have time for prayer, I make time for prayer. That one, that one extra mess that you just don't have time to clean up every day that just drives you over the edge, just let it go. Talk to God. Spend time in His Word. We live in a technological age where reading God's Word and spending time with Him is easier than ever. It's at our fingertips, on our phone. But sometimes what that can mean, uh, if, if you don't have a Bible on your phone, sometimes, especially uh, you know, the under 30 crowd, what that means sometimes is turning your phone over. Spending time with God. Get into His Word. You can plug your phone into a cord, plug that cord into your car and listen to God's word on your drive to work. If you usually get behind the same people that I do in traffic, this helps, I promise. It really does, it really does. Especially when you hear the part in, in Psalm about, Lord God shattered the teeth of the wicked. <laughs> My life first. No, no, no I'm, I'm kidding. But, but busyness, 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 and, and busyness is always man-made. Hebrews 11.5. We're coming back to Enoch now. We've talked very little about Enoch because, like I said, there's not a lot in the Bible about Enoch. But let's wrap up Enoch's life. 2,000 years later, 2,000 years later, let's wrap up Enoch's life after the book of Hebrews is published and written. Hebrews 11.5, the author thought that the little bit about Enoch was important enough to add in his letter to the Hebrew church. And I think that if it's important enough to add in a, New Testament, God, in a New Testament epistle, it's important enough for us to think he's relevant, right? Because the Bible doesn't make mistakes. 
if, they, if somebody is specifically mentioned, you better believe it's important. Verse 5 says, By faith Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And that's basically the story of Enoch's life. That's how it was wrapped up in a nutshell. I believe that one of the greatest compliments a a follower of Christ could ever receive after our time on this earth is completed. Not that we parted the Red Sea, because not all of us are ever going to do that. Not after we moved a mountain, because not all of us are ever going to do that. Not after we built an ark, started a church, raised people from the dead. Not after all of that. But that after our life is completed, somebody can say, they walked with God. By faith, they walked with God. And God commended them once they, received, once they entered into heaven because he was pleased with them. Don't you want to hear that one day? There's nothing in this world that I want to hear as much as, good job, Woodson. In my mind, that's what God calls me. Good job, Woodson. Good job. Take a seat. That's what I want to hear one day. Welcome into my kingdom. You did good. You walked with me. You didn't have to perform miracles. All you did is exactly what I asked you to do, and that was you walked faithfully with me. That's all I could ever want to hear. So I want to pray for you this morning. And then we're going to worship. And I I ask, worship with all that you have. Worship is an expression of thanks and praise and thanksgiving. In this time of thanksgiving, it's us thanking God for all he is and all he's done. And it's beautiful when we get to do that together. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your son. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for all that you've done for us. Thank you for bringing us here and letting us worship and grow in your character together as a family, as one. Because it's hard work. Sometimes it's hard work following you. Sometimes the schedule just gets to be a little too much. Sometimes life is just overwhelming. Depression is real. Anxiety is real. Struggles are real. But we thank you that no matter how big those are and what situation we're at in our life this morning, that you will come to us. You'll never ask us to fix ourselves, Lord. You'll come to us and show us a better way. And we thank you so much, Lord, for the opportunity to learn about you, to worship you, to serve you, and to share you with the world. We believe that you can change the world, even if it's one person at a time. We love you, Lord. Amen. I hope you enjoyed the message today. I would like to stop right here and offer an opportunity for you to say a special prayer. If you're listening today and you're not a Christ follower, I would encourage you to pray this prayer. And it simply says this. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Guide my life and help me to do your will. If you prayed that prayer today, would you email me? My email address is jeffdawes one 
at sccview.net. The spelling of my name is J-E-F-F-D-A-W-S, the number one, at sccview.net. Again, thank you for joining us today. And by the way, if you'd like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church that others may hear the good news of Jesus, I would challenge you to go to our website at www.sccview.net and click the Give link at the top of the web browser. And there's many ways that you can give there. Again, thank you so much for joining us today. It is our pleasure to come to where you are and share the gospel. God bless you.